thank you to our music team for sharing your music with us. Thank you all of you for being here today. It is a joy to be with you this morning as we continue on our series on the life of the peace pilgrim. We have one humanity, many stories is our overarching theme for this year. And so we're starting with the story of the peace pilgrim, which I found very inspirational, and her little booklet, Steps Towards Inner Peace. So if you've not picked up one of these booklets yet, they're going to be available on the table uh, in the back of the hall, and we will have these available throughout March 3rd, which is when the series ends. So for those of you on live stream, come and join us one Sunday and come pick up your book, and we're glad you're joining us that way on this snowy Sunday. So we have been talking about the, the preparations, the preparations that prepare us to experience that inner peace. What I really love about the Peace Pilgrim is that while she set out to um, bring attention to the idea of world peace, she had uh, intentions as she began her walk on January 1st, 1953. One was the disarmament of, in the world, uh, disarmament, world disarmament. The second was an end to the Korean War. And the third was that we needed to start a Department of Peace, which we still need to start a Department of Peace. So we're still holding that vision for that to happen. Um, but she also moved beyond just the idea of world peace and helped us all to understand that if we want to experience world peace in the world, then where we need to begin is within, with inner peace. And so she wrote this little booklet, Steps Towards Inner Peace, that we're using. And we've been talking about the preparations first. She talks about four preparations to inner peace in this book. And so we began with assuming a right attitude toward life. We talked about how important it is to assume the right attitude as you begin your day. Like me, you probably recognize that there are days that you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. So do I take that attitude with me throughout the day or do I change my mind and say, you know, that I don't need to carry that with me today? Do I wake up with this idea of, you know, rejoice, this is the day the Lord has made. You know, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, or are we waking up and going, oh, another day. We get to choose what is the attitude that we move through our day with. And so all of us are invited to think about what is the intention that I'm setting for my day. How do I intend to show up and setting that right attitude as we begin our day? This is one of the preparations to experiencing that, that inner peace. I'm sure you, you realize and recognize we can't experience that inner peace if we're walking through our day grumpy or angry or resentful or whatever, judging whatever those things might be. So assume a right attitude is the first preparation. And then last week we talked about the idea that we have to live good beliefs. We talked so much about the good beliefs here, right? The number one thing is that we are that Christ spirit in expression, but it's not enough. So what's, what's, I'm going to quiz you. What's our fifth principle? Action, right, Tom? It's not enough to know the truth. We have to live the truth. It's not enough to know that I'm the Christ and that you are the Christ. I have to live into that. What does that mean in my life when my buttons are getting pushed or there seems to be not enough or somebody's made me angry or whatever it is? What does it mean to actually live into that idea that we are all that Christ in expression? So we choose to live good beliefs. If we're not living according to what we believe, then there's this inner conflict that takes place inside of us that can't reconcile that we're believing one thing but living something else. And so in that inner conflict, we will never experience that 
place of inner peace again. So the second preparation that the peace pilgrim gave us was to live into those good beliefs that we hold. So today we're moving into the third one. And if you have your booklet and you'd like to follow along with me, I'm going to be reading from page 7 as I allow Peace Pilgrim to tell you what this is. There is a third preparation that has to do with something which is unique for every human life. Because every one of us has a special place in the life pattern. If you do not yet know clearly where you fit, I suggest you try seeking it in receptive silence. I used to walk amid the beauties of nature. Just receptive and silent and wonderful insights would come to me. You begin to do your part in the life pattern by doing all the good things you feel motivated toward, even though they are just little good things at first. You give these priority in your life over all the superficial things that customarily clutter human lives. There are those who know and do not do. This is very sad. I remember one day as I walked along the highway, a very nice car stopped and a man said to me, How wonderful that you are following your calling. I replied, I certainly think that everyone should be doing what feels right to do. He then began to tell me about what he felt motivated towards. And it was a good thing that needed doing. I got quite enthusiastic about it and took for granted that he was doing it. I said, that's wonderful. How are you getting on with it? And he answered, oh, I'm not doing it. That kind of work doesn't pay anything. And I shall never forget how desperately unhappy that man was. But you see, in this materialistic age, we have such false criterion by which to measure success. We measure it in terms of dollars in terms of material things. But happiness and inner peace do not lie in that direction. If you know but do not do, you are a very unhappy person indeed. We are each called to live into that life pattern. So one thing that I see, and I'm sure you see, is that there is this divine life pattern that occurs throughout life. Especially we can see it in nature, this pattern that takes place, right? It's winter now, and we see in our mind that it will be spring, and then it will be summer, and then it will be fall, and then winter comes back around, and there's this, there's this pattern that takes place. We can see it in the trees and in the flowers, you know, that are now dormant, but we know without a shadow of a doubt that come spring, they will be popping back through and growing and reaching for the sun and before fall comes and they die back again. It's this divine pattern that's taking place. We can see it in a butterfly, right, that, that is crawling along as a caterpillar until it makes its way into its cocoon where it liquefies and those imaginal cells take over and suddenly what emerges is a butterfly, this perfect divine pattern that's unfolding. We know that there's a divine pattern even to the solar system, right? As things are moving round planets around the sun and greater than that into our greater galaxy, there's a pattern that's taking place that's there in all of life. But what we sometimes forget is that that divine pattern is living itself through you and I as well. So where do we fit into this divine pattern of life? Unity, I love Unity's teachings that tell us 
that each and every one of us is that divine Christ in expression. We have the potential to be that. In unity, we teach that we have two natures. One is our personality. You know, it's how we show up. It's the roles that we take on. It's how we show up in the world with one another, often, you know, reacting and and defensive and placing our um, happiness on things out there or peace on things out there. It's our personality side that shows up, that thinks we are separate from one another, separate from life, that forgets we are part of this divine pattern. But unity teaches that's only one aspect of us. And we're called to take it deeper into the second aspect of us, which we call this Christ self. And that Christ self is the unique, individualized um, expression of God that you and I are. A unique, individualized expression of God. So imagine, if you will, because this is what unity teaches, that in divine mind consciousness, in that divine mind of all possibility, there is an idea there, a divine idea for you and for your life. Imagine that. Imagine what it would be to truly understand that. There is this perfect divine idea for me and for my life that I am called to step into. In fact, and indeed, there is no other person in this entire universe, in the vastness of this universe, that is exactly like you. And you, exactly like you, individualized expression of God, have something to contribute to this world right here, right now. The world is calling for you. And how do I know that? Because you're here. Right? We're all here at this time and in this moment to share that unique, individualized expression of God that we are. This is important work. Can you catch that idea? You are not this little human being. You are divinity itself expressing as you. So I wanted to share with you, uh, it's it's, um, Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, and I wanted to share with you this beautiful idea that I found from Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King in which he speaks to this. And this was a, a, a speech that he gave about six months before he passed away. And uh, he spoke this to a group of students at Barat Junior High School in Philadelphia, October 26, 1967. And the title of this talk is, What is Your Life's Blueprint? This is what he had to say. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what is your life's blueprint? Whenever a building is constructed, you usually have an architect who draws a blueprint, and that blueprint serves as a pattern, as the guide, and a building is not well erected without a good, solid blueprint. Now, each of you is in the process of building the structure of your lives, and the question is whether you have a proper, solid, and sound blueprint. I want to suggest some of the things that should begin your life's blueprint. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your worth, your own somebodyness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel as though you're a nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. Always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Secondly, in your life's blueprint, you must have as a basic principle the determination to achieve excellence in your various fields of endeavor. 
You're going to be deciding as the days and the years unfold what you will do with your life, what your life's work will be. Set out to do it well. And I say to you, my young friends, doors are opening to you, doors of opportunity that were not open to your mothers and your fathers. And the great challenge facing you is to be ready to face these doors as they open. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great essayist, said in a lecture in 1871, If a man can write a better book or preach a better sermon or make a better mousetrap than his neighbor, even if he builds that house in the woods, the world will make a beaten path to his door. This hasn't always been true, but it will become increasingly true. And so I would urge you to study hard, to burn the midnight oil. I would say to you, don't drop out of school. I understand all the sociological reasons, but I urge you that in spite of your economic plight, in spite of the situation you're forced to live in, stay in school. And when you discover what you will be in your life, set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. Don't just set out to do a good job. Set out to do such a good job that the living, the dead, or the unborn couldn't do it any better. If it falls on your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metropolitan Opera. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great sweeper who Swept his job well. If you can't be a pine at the top of the hill, be a shrub in the valley. Be the best little shrub on the side of the hill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be a sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or fail. Be the best at whatever you are. That's a Martin Luther King. Now, yes, he was speaking that at this particular time to this group of young people, but there's so much for us to understand in this speech about what it is to live into that life pattern from that first idea that he presented of how to do that, which is don't let anyone tell you that you are less than you are, including yourself. What are you? What are you? The light. I'm the light. Claim it. I'm the Christ. Claim it. That's hard for some of us to do because we haven't been taught that we are the light. We haven't been taught that we are the Christ. We haven't been taught that we are divine. We've been taught that we are, you know, sinners and separate from God and all of these other things. But I want you to claim the truth today. I am the light and I am the Christ and I am a unique individualized expression of God. And I'm going to live into that. That is how you will step into that divine life pattern. And so we do so, right? We, we give no power to any thought that we are less than that. Secondly, we have to decide what we're going to do and to do it well, he said. We have to decide what we're going to do and do it well. And so many of us think, if, if you think about this idea of what am I here for, if I am a unique individualized expression of God and there is no other like me, then it must be something really grand and big that I'm called to do, right? And so we get this idea that if I'm not doing something grand and big, I must not be living into this life pattern. 
But you and I were not called to be Jesus. We were called to be the Christ uniquely, individually, as Laura, as Jim, as Angel, right? We're called to be who we are uniquely demonstrating the Christ. We're not called to be the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama was called to be the Dalai Lama. But you were called to be you, right? We're not called to be all those great people we can think about in our mind right now, right? Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and all of those ones who are shining their light so greatly, but we are called to shine our light too, and we stop ourselves when we think it has to be in this great, grand, and glorious way where we're going to be the salvation of the earth. Yes, we are, but by doing small things with great love. So step into it, whatever it is that you're going to do. Step into it and do it in the best possible way. And the third thing he says is to stay in school, right? To commit to education. Well, you and I have to commit to that also. Education didn't end the minute we walked out the door of school. How many of you have continued learning? I would hope to see every hand. Every hand. We are here. We had this series last fall on the school of life, right? We are here in the school of life. And so if you want to step into this divine pattern of your life, then you have to be open always. The the detriment of being the light of the world is to step into I know. I know. I know who you are. And I know who you are. And not from that place of like, I know who you are, but based on that outer you that shows up in personality. We come in from this place of, I know, I know it. I know what I believe. I know what God is. I know who you are. And we don't allow our mind to continue to expand into this new moment, this new day. What is there to learn for me here? How can I understand you more deeply? Tell me about yourself. Right? Always exploring what God is. How many of you have the same idea of what God is that you had ten years ago? Anybody? How about a year ago? Or six months ago? Or a day ago? Right? We are constantly in this opportunity to learn, to stretch, to grow in our understanding of what we are in this great, glorious life that we are living. Our choice to step into that divine pattern of life. And I love this idea that Dr. Martin Luther King gives us that whatever it is that you're doing, just do it as the best that you can. So from my perspective, if we are stepping into this divine pattern, it is so much more than about doing anything, any role that we have to play. It's not about your job. It's about your job, but it's about showing up as the Christ in your job, right? It's about showing up as the Christ in your parenting. It's about showing up as the Christ in your partnership with your spouse or your loved one. It's about showing up as the Christ with your friends and your coworkers. That's Stepping into that divine pattern. And you can do that no matter what is occurring 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Step into that life pattern. When we we think about Jesus and we think about his life and we think, well, I can't be that. You know, Scripture tells us he raised people from the dead and he healed those who had been sick for years. I, I can't do that. And we think, therefore, that we must not be living into that life pattern. But all we need to do in any moment of every day is ask, how am I being called to love here right now? Of course, in Miracles tells us 
But there is no level to miracles. Right? One miracle isn't any better than another miracle. A miracle is a miracle, and a miracle takes place when we meet a call for love with love. So how do I show up here and be love here today? How do I show up here and see through eyes of love as we prayed today? How do I show up here and think the way that God thinks? How do I show up here in that divine Christ self that I am? Recognizing and realizing that this is the divine pattern of my life that I am called to step into. Who are you? Who are you? Can you claim the truth that I am a unique, individualized expression of God in this universe is incomplete if I don't live that fully and completely? That's a big idea. Can you own that idea? Can you claim that idea? Because that's what our world needs right now. And I'm guessing, like me, you might need to practice that idea. Anybody need to practice that idea? Yeah? Well, that's what we're going to practice this week on the back of your bulletin. You know, the Peace Pilgrim in that little reading that I read from the steps toward inner peace said, if you don't know, if you don't know where your place is in that divine pattern, you need to get into the stillness and ask that question, right? So that's what I want you to do. Take time to rest in the stillness each day. As you rest in the stillness, ask this question, what is mine to be and to do? What is mine to be and to do? And it need not be great big huge things. What is mine to be and to do in every moment? As your time of resting in the stillness comes to a close, keep that question close to your heart and to your mind. Throughout the day, come back to it. What is mine to be and do? And then listen and pay attention throughout the day, knowing that you will be divinely guided, and then take action on it. So here's what I do. We have our prayer call every morning, Monday through Friday. Information is in your bulletin if you want to join us. And on that prayer call, as that prayer call comes to an end, one of the things that I do on every prayer is, you know, so here we are, God, use us that we may know the joy of being used by you. Right? And then we have to pay attention throughout the day. So how, how is God calling me to be used, right? And so I might have my whole day planned out, everything that I've got to take care of that day. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along and says, you know, Reverend Joanne, I need to talk. Or two people or three people in a day come along to say that. And the human part of me, that personality part of me, can get into this. Oh, my gosh, I've got so much to do. How am I going to take time for this and get done everything that I need to do? And then I need to take a breath again and remember again, wait a minute. I invited God to use me today. This may be the the very thing that God wants to use me for. What does the rest matter? So we have to be flexible. We have to be willing to give up what we think our day is going to look like when we say, use me, God, right? And we never know. We never know when we are going to touch the heart of another. So I want to close by, by sharing with you a little story that Greg Sutteran shared with me between services. He watches a live stream of somebody who's a, a health and fitness expert. And he was watching this live stream this week, and thousands of people were on this live stream, and they were te- texting questions, right, to, the, to this individual, to this man. And all of a sudden in the chat comes this comment from a man who's watching. And he said, you saved my life. He waved 
400 pounds, and he was ready to take his life. And he watched the live stream previously where this gentleman said, you are worthy. You deserve to have good health. You deserve to be healthy and whole and strong. You deserve it. There's a reason you're here in this world. Whatever the words were, and he spoke to that gentleman he didn't even know. He didn't even know he had impacted across the live stream who now later came and said, you saved my life. You and I don't know. Right? When the word that we speak is going to be the very word that somebody needs to hear. The hug that we give is going to be the very touch somebody needs to feel. The encouragement that we share is the very thing that they needed to keep going through their day. Let God use you this week. Step into that pattern of your life, the divinity that you are called to be. Will you join me in that? Yeah. Together. Together. We will change the world as we each find that place of inner peace within us. So thank you so much for joining me in that. God bless.